Welcome to the Breathe Life Podcast. I'm Fahim Mujahid, a Miami-based integrative health and life coach, fitness and nutrition expert, personal trainer, and private yoga and meditation teacher. Each week, we'll explore meaningful content surrounding the importance and impact of living a life of mindfulness or inspiring interviews with the same intention. Together, we'll incorporate a variety of topics given with the same intention to educate, enrich, and inspire one's life. Welcome home. All right, guys, here we go. Here we go again. Mic check, mic check, one, two. So this is part two. Um, the beautiful spirit with whom I'm working with and flowing with today requires no introduction, just in general, but she definitely doesn't require any introduction because this is the part two to our earlier discussion. And the beautiful spirit with whom I'm talking about is Angie Sanchez. Angie, welcome back. Welcome home. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm so excited. Right. <laughs> there. So there's so many things that we did not get a chance to cover in our first conversation. And I right. think that's just a testament to... It's a testament to the quality of the work that you do, the purpose, the intention behind how you show up for yourself and for your clients. And I had all the intention in the world to cover so many different areas, and I just got lost in our discussion. It came from such a beautiful place of presence, and I wanted to honor that and have that kind of be an end point, and then now start anew on this new beginning. So I appreciate you making the time twice in your schedule to be on this journey with me. So thank you for it's that. It's a no-brainer. The last one was a teaser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we got, an, we got another do, uh, dope photo. Yeah, so, yeah sure. we got. So I know one of the things that we had talked about, <clears throat> and one of the things that I'm really, really excited about is the opportunity that you and I had to, well, I would probably say you more so because you're really doing all the work. Um, had an opportunity to do uh, a version of a program that I called Dark Mode. Um, it was something that I came up with probably about eight years ago, and I was, and I did it in relations to a lot of the strict timelines and outlines that I had for programs that I was working with. I was working a lot in the fashion industry, and things had to be turned around very quickly. The work that you were doing, the results that you were trying to get, and what I found is by making the program challenging on a multitude of ways it really brought out the absolute best of the person with whom i was working with as long as i was mindful in every element of it right not coming from a place of punishment or coming from a place of running someone into the ground but coming from a more mindful intention um giving the listeners a little bit of a background about you and i our beautiful journey so how i mean how long have you would you say that you and I have been working together from a movement since, standpoint? Since January. So since January. We actually, it's funny because people looked at me like you're hiring a trainer <laughs> on Christmas. I'm like, yeah, why do yeah. I have to wait for the new year? Yeah. So technically I signed on, uh, I think mm -hmm. it was like that last week of December, but we maybe had one session and yeah. then it was like the new year. Yeah. So like truly since January. So it's been now like yeah. 11 months it's going to be. Wow. Almost a year. And it's been, and, and listen, I say, I say this from the bottom of my heart, mm -hmm. and anyone who's worked with me knows that I mean every word of it. Every beautiful person, spirit from which I have an opportunity to grow with is such a special relationship, as you can attest to, with the clients that you have. Um, but everyone brings something unique and different on my journey. And I, and I just feel so grateful to have been able to not only met you, but to be have been able to go on this journey thus far and what i really think is really cool about the feedback from our training program you came in with so much awareness right 
having been in movement and been an athlete for so many years and worked with different trainers before i think what was really cool about even from the very beginning you had a really you had a really good understanding of of your body in a lot of ways that a lot of people don't can you kind of speak to a little bit of that being that we're going to talk a little bit more about dark mode i just want to make the i want to make it clear that our even in our beginning you had a certain a certain high level of awareness of what felt good in your body what felt right for you what are the things that you felt movement wise was more along the lines of the healing that you were looking for. It wasn't more about, it wasn't from a place or from a vantage point of punishment. It was more so from a place of celebration based off of your history and movement. So speak a little bit about that. Sure. I definitely am at a point right now where that has become one of my tools for success, my heightened body awareness and self-awareness period. And I think that what began that was when I was overweight about a decade ago that mm. I had gained 40 plus pounds than what I am now as a result of chronic depression and binge eating disorder where that moment in my life and what happened took me out of my body where I wasn't connected to my body to mm. myself and in the journey of not just losing the weight but essentially healing and getting out of that dark space mm-hmm. I started to cultivate and not just rebuild the connection to my body and to myself, but it was create a brand new one. Mm. So I began to do things very differently where I told myself coming out of this, it can't be I pick up where I left off. It has Mm. to be I start completely from scratch. Mm. So I made sure that what I did and the the choices that I made were in alignment with something that was going to be sustainable for me. So that began that process of my body awareness. And a big component of that was Pilates. Mm. So I began doing Pilates, I would say, when I was 24. Okay. Um, And it wasn't as consistent as I am now, but I started to tap into, into it. Now, why, why, why that modality? Why, what was it attractive about? What was attractive about Pilates? To be honest, it wasn't intentional, meaning mm. I didn't seek it out. Okay. Um, my boyfriend at the time was a, he is a physical therapist, mm. um, a DPT and also certified in Pilates. So mm. when we got together, he's like, you know, you should try it out. You should see what it's about because just like a lot of people I know today, they use it simultaneously when they talk about it, um, mm. with yoga. Right. And it's very, it's completely different. Completely They're different. worlds apart. Yeah. They're not the same thing, not even a little bit. I mean, if anything, there's some similarity between yoga and not Pilates, but even then, it's right. totally different. Right. So when I became open to it, mm. I started to realize that I'm like, man, I really connect to this. And, and you can really make Pilates not just a work-in, but a workout. Mm. And it was a much more gentle, low-impact way of strengthening the body, healing the body. And I became so aware of my body. Like I would say I I completed that cycle of body awareness Mm -hmm. with the relationship I was able to create with Pilates because Mm. I realized what areas needed attention, what was causing what. And there's a rule in physical therapy, not like a real rule, but it's a thing that they go by where um, they always say the thing you think is the thing is never the thing. (laughs) So um, I had some knee issues as a result of trying to lose the weight Mm -hmm. um, because I started to run pretending like if I was picking up where I left off, right? And immediately it was like, nope, that's not what you're going to do. So I realized that my knee issue 
was a result of very tight calves and not addressing my quads because I'm very quad dominant. So mm. everything was always absorbed yeah. there. So I wasn't doing anything to address my calves or my quads. Right. And then I began to compensate. Naturally. And then that affected my pronation. Right. And all these terms I'm using, yeah. I didn't become aware of this whole connection until right. I started doing Pilates. Yeah. So I think that as far as the foundation mm-hmm. for my height and body awareness, mm-hmm. Pilates is definitely at the top. You know, and I I think that's kind of like, you know, what I think is amazing about that story is because I kind of feel like it's a superlative for just like life in general. Like when you go through things, usually it's going through, I think the universe uses people and experiences to give us the information that we need, the insight that we need, right? So then you spend the rest of understanding or the rest of your time and moving your body now with this new king awareness, it's hard for you to go back to being ignorant, right? And I think, like you said, it took the vehicle for you to step into it was this relationship with it, with another person. And then he introduced you to this idea. And then from there, you kind of found your own rhythm and started really just starting kind of like anchoring into, okay, this is what feels good. And you started looking at, oh, wow, imbalances. Maybe that's something that I haven't really thought about. So I just think it's kind of, you know, I, I think it's powerful in the way that you know, everything goes in seasons in life. And sometimes we get so fixated on the permanentness of things, needing things to be permanent. But I think that even as it ebbs and flows, that each experience is, each experience leaves us a window from which we can look at a variety of experiences that can help us continue to grow, right? And I think your relationship with Pilates that then gave you the idea it's or the gave, it set the stage for everything else, right? So certain methods of movement that you responded to or thought were the right ways to to move you went into it with now a new found idea or understanding of what it should feel like so i imagine that it also dictated the decision that you made even coming out of pilates 100 percent, it made me a better athlete a better runner because i was so self-aware and um i strengthened parts of my body that i had never addressed before Mm. where now because all the moving pieces were running appropriately i was able to perform at a peak level so even running felt different Mm. this time around um, as a result of pilates right Okay. So in, in so where we begun our beautiful journey, you had already been moving in the, in the, the mythology of Pilates for a couple of years. And then you also came from a strength training background too with, a, with another trainer. Um, so you had a really solid understanding of what you knew you wanted. And I think you were very clear. One of the things that I really learned to really appreciate is the clarity from which you not only know your body, but from the point of view from where you can actually communicate it. You mean over communicate? <laughs> you know you know what? I know I know a lot of people would say that, but no, I think it's I think it's like a beautiful balance. I think you have a profound um, I think you have a profound level of just awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think your body also and we'll get into it a little bit, but I think your body also responds um, in a way that's very transparent. And I think it's also because you created a space where your body can do that. You know, I think that a lot of times we put our bodies through things, whether it be what we're eating, whether it be how we're moving. And in yoga philosophy, they call it ahimsa. We put our body through being nonviolent to ourselves. And we put ourselves in these environments because it's what everyone else is doing, it's what's in trend. 
So we try to find a way to fitting it in within our dynamics and how we move and how we respond to things. Whereas we could probably automatically get the feedback that it's not necessarily ideal for us, right? And I think that you have, in your understanding of how your body shows up when it's dealing with stress, whether it be from injury or external, your body shows up. Speak a little bit about that, right? Because I know that there was also, that was kind of like the breakthrough point that you and I had as far as deciding that incorporating the dark mode was a really good idea, a really good opportunity to. And instead of me speaking to it, I'd rather you introduce, you know, you rather kind of speak about where it showed up and how it became um, prevalent in our discussion about the response to your body and movement and all that stuff. So we had had several previous conversations about how stress affects our bodies individually, like for me and then for you, and you gave me some examples and so forth. And I think for me, for as long as I can remember, every time that I've been stressed emotionally or Mm -hmm. I've had physical trauma to the body or an injury of some sort, it just always shows up in my upper body. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say upper body, I mean my actual arms and my biceps and my triceps and that back, that part area mm-hmm. and um, and I as it is I have very broad shoulders mm-hmm. so um, which I'm very proud of um, that I've never been self-conscious of because I look at it as like it shows I'm strong mm-hmm. um, and so it, it was never so much that width it's just more of the inflammation mm-hmm. it's the stress response that would continue to happen as a result of even just being emotionally stressed out mm-hmm. so I think that throughout our, our process and our journey when we first began, I experienced several moments of that. Mm-hmm. One of them being an actual, you know, physical ailment. Right. And I just became very frustrated mm-hmm. because I knew that this was a thing for me and then I started to create a story around it. Mm-hmm. And then I think that that narrative that I created around it, I continued to give power to it in a way where I knew it wasn't serving me. And that played a role in the catalyst for me wanting to do something like dark mode, which I didn't even know that that's what I wanted to do at the time. But I knew I needed to do something to interrupt that pattern and that cycle Yeah. Um, of, you know, just the way that I looked at things and my relationship with stress mm-hmm. and inflammation. Because, you know, I'm very fortunate enough to understand that inflammation is actually not bad mm-hmm. it's it, it happens because the body's like trying to actually protect you right. but it's just i think my ability to tap into it so easily when i'm stressed was becoming like an issue for me yeah and it taking such a long time to go down and i was like you know what something's got to give because you know it's not just about meeting aesthetic goals it's about what was deeper than mm-hmm. that that i really wanted to break through and i very much resonated with that saying that I'm sure everyone's heard of, where mm-hmm. in order to get something or do something that you've never done or get something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. Right. So I communicated that with you as I typically communicate mm-hmm. with you, how I feel. And I was like, yo, we got to do something. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I love the way we're doing things right now because there were some elements of it that was working really well for me. Mm-hmm. And maybe just take those and apply them into something new, create Mm -hmm. something new. And it had to be some sort of shock where I I think that everything that was happening was also a result of comfort, Mm -hmm. convenience, not managing my stress appropriately, at least in a way I thought was conducive to me. And um, 
I felt like I needed to get uncomfortable mm -hmm. to cultivate some of the disciplines that I had lost, which I also knew contributed to that. Right. And that was my intention yeah. behind it. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think it was the the uh, the cycle that we were going in, and even in the beautiful way from which you would talk about it. Right. Initially, you would go to that place that we both both you and I um, contributed to it being a place that we need not go and to kind of change your relationship with what was showing up. So we needed uh, a way of kind of like unplugging and plugging into a new software system. And, you know, the, the biggest thing, and I think, you, you know, you spoke to it a little bit, is the degree of uncomfort. It's the, the, the thought process behind dark mode is to take you out of that comfort level. And it can be very shocking very shocking and if you don't properly apply it and make sure that you take the the athlete and you determine what kind of mind of the athlete that you're working with you can really lose people in that place if you're working with a, an, an athlete who is comes from a judgment mind and maybe never really run against major resistance like that doesn't really have a practice of mindfulness doesn't have all these other elements that are necessary to be able to navigate yourself when you're going through these moments where you're so uncomfortable and you're being almost unrooted, uprooted. If you're not cognizant of who you're putting through that program, you can lose someone. But if you're mindful about it and you find that diamond in the rough that's looking to, as they're stepping into a new understanding, a new mindset, a new, just a new level of just seeing everything, I think they can respond beautifully to it. And I, so I went into it from the intention of designing a program that I knew would meet Angie, not only where she is, but I knew it would take every little bit out of you to, to meet the demands of it. But more importantly, I knew you had the determination and the resilience, because I think for you, beyond it being a challenge, I think there was an intrigue to who you would become on the opposite end of it. I had to yeah. finish it, and I had to do it. Yeah. It was like just the mission that was given to me, and that's how I treated it. So I wasn't even doing it for me. I was doing it for everyone else, too. Yeah. And then... You know, so the beautiful thing about dark mode too is when I've done it, there's been adjustments, right? Because nothing's the same, right? You want to make sure you adapt it to the beautiful person that you're working with. And what I found is just kind of giving the listeners a, a little bit of a context, context to it. So there's a stringent nutrition element to it, which you and I, um, we partnered up or we, we included um, daily harvest, right? For your breakfast. Mm -hmm. And then the meal delivery system that we found that we really love. Which one was that again? They were previously called Factor 75 and okay. they just rebranded and they're just called Factor. Right. Um, and I think that we, uh, it was very difficult to find a good meal plan because you brought to my awareness something that a lot of people don't notice and I think yeah. it's important to mention it here. Yeah, absolutely. That a lot of meal plans, quote unquote healthy, organic uh, meal plans, they actually don't prioritize the cooking oils that they use when right. they prepare these foods. Mm -hmm. And so this was, to my awareness, out of all the ones that I found, the only one that actually prepared their food in either olive oil or coconut oil. Mm -hmm. And everything else, you yeah. know, checked the boxes off too as far as grass-fed and, you know, pasture-based and organic and gluten-free and things like that, so. Yeah, and what I want to do too is give you kind of like a gold <laughs> star in that department. Like, I think a lot of times, whether it be attorneys, doctors, teachers, or whomever, we take so much credibility or takes so much value in someone else's opinion. Mm -hmm. We go to 
you know, I, I see you as a coach and I'm going to you to get your leadership and I'm assuming that you put in the hours and you know what you're doing or else I wouldn't work with you. And I think a lot of times that's where our self um, education stops. And one of the things I want to commend you on is that regardless of what you and I cover, you do your homework as well. It's like, hey, I know this is great. It's not coming from a place of second guessing. It's coming from a place of being self-informed. And I can't remember which philosopher said it, but he, he said it was it was a quote that he said that the only true form of education is self-education. And I think that's powerful. And I think more people can take a page from your book in that regard. Um, so finding a, a meal plan that would meet all the demands um, that will also check the boxes on core values was also really important because we wanted to find something that was going to make it um, make it somewhat easier for it to integrate into your lifestyle because of the demands that we were already putting on you um, which I also think there's room to communicate to what I would also say or what I would what I would say spending a lot of time in studying nutrition Ideally, in a perfect scenario, I think we can all agree. If you get an opportunity where you can cook all your meals at home, great, right? Great. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, whatever you decide to do. Whether it be plant-based, I'm always going to go for plant-based, but whatever you are. But what I, oftentimes when I have this conversation with people, they come from a place of judgment if they can't. So a lot of times I think there's so many companies who pride themselves on making sure that their products are prepared in an honest way that are here to help. And what we found in evaluating your lifestyle and evaluating the demands that you have as a coach and how you travel and how you go from, sometimes you come straight from here to go to a workout and then you're, and then you're coaching and then you come back. So we had to adapt ourselves and leave room to be able to allow these other elements and other tools to be able to complement the program. So I wanna talk a little bit about that. Was it, given the fact that I think you and I are the same way, we kind of, we're very organized and we're very, we, we prefer the most ideal scenic routes possible. Mm -hmm. So I think giving your information or giving your knowledge, I know that you know, and we've talked about ideally it being something that you would prepare at home. Did it take, what did it take for you to leave room for companies like Daily Harvest and Factor 75 to prepare or do some of this stuff in conjunction with you so that you can delegate some of that responsibility elsewhere? Was it hard for you to relinquish that control and to say that, hey, you know what, I'm doing this because this is the best thing for me that's gonna cause me the less resistance, the less stress, and that's what this is all about. I'm not gonna be so hell-bent on I need to do this all by myself in one way. Was it hard for you to leave room for that? Was that a challenge for you? It wasn't a challenge because yeah. I was able to surrender yeah. to what a lot of those, I guess, pain points were. One of them was convenience. Mm. Um, so that that was the driving factor that mm. uh, I would say made me look into how can I go about this in a way that's most convenient. But then once I was able to find that, it had to be then what was in alignment with my spirit and my philosophy when it came to nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I was very mindful about um, what I chose and I felt that the best way to go about it was how I ended up doing it, which was doing something like Daily Harvest, which by the way, Daily Harvest, there's primarily smoothies, mm -hmm. but they do sell other types of food items. I just did the smoothies in the morning. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that was because of the convenience and because of where they sourced their fruits and vegetables from. Mm -hmm. And although it's it, they're delivered every week fresh, um, they are they come already mixed, so you don't have to think yeah. 
what goes well together? Mm -hmm. How much of this do I put? Um, and then you're buying fruits and vegetables from the grocery store and then they're in your fridge and they end up getting bad Yeah. because you don't end up using all of it in one week. I didn't want to deal with that stuff. Right. So shout out, shout out Daily Harvest. Yeah. I know they're not a sponsor yet. <laughs> not yet. But <laughs> now you got to give everyone your favorite. So your favorite one out of the Daily Harvest. Chocolate blueberry. Chocolate blueberry. So I love yeah. that a lot of their smoothies had cacao in it okay. because I'm a big chocolate person, as yeah. you know, it's my kryptonite. Yeah. Um, and I felt that the taste of their smoothies was, it's like to me, they're top notch. So mm. I wasn't just doing it for the convenience and you know the freshness and the alignment with my philosophies but they freaking taste amazing where I would look forward to having my breakfast each morning yeah so I felt like it really hit all the boxes checked sure. off all the boxes and then with with the factor meals yeah. as I said once that healthy cooking oil component was in place it was just a matter of um, selecting, I made sure I selected different meals and I wasn't always eating the same thing so my body got a lot of the variety that they had to offer mm -hmm. and again, no brainer um, I ideally, in perfect world I would want to hire a private chef to cook all my meals right. <laughs> you know, I'm not a person who is preoccupied uh, with cooking or that's a goal of mine I actually don't enjoy cooking mm -hmm. I respect it I think mm -hmm. it's an art before anything else mm -hmm. and I, I have you know attempted to do it over the years and it's just not my thing it's mm -hmm. not my forte yeah. so I didn't mind subscribing to a meal plan yeah. um, and obviously microwaving meals is not my favorite option but mm -hmm. for 30 days it was something that yeah. I didn't mind doing yeah. um, and I think at the end of the day choosing this way of eating for dark mode mm -hmm. was what provided me minimal brain exertion. Yeah. I didn't want to have to think about what I had to do for breakfast, what I had to do for lunch, what I had to do for dinner, mm -hmm. what time. Like It was just laid out for me and yeah. I just had to pick and, and make and take home and, and bring here and it wasn't yeah. a big deal. I love it. I love it. And you know, kind of like leaving, putting a fork in, no pun intended, the <laughs> nutrition aspect of it. Just so that <clears throat> everyone's aware of like the movement was a huge component oh, yeah. from a demand standpoint. Oh, I think yeah. it was written to where it was like six days of movement, Straight. four four of the days were like two a days, five a.m. wake up runs. You know, when you think about when you think back on your demands from a movement standpoint, what was the most challenging part for you? You know, I'll tell you what I thought it would be, mm -hmm. and it was waking up at 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. uh, three three days a week, mm -hmm. because the, on those three days were then my two days, because the 5 a.m. wake up calls were for for six five to six mile runs. Mm -hmm. um, believe it or not, though, it was difficult, but it wasn't the most difficult. I think that the adaptation process mm -hmm. of adapting to working out six days straight three of them being two days was the most difficult part like mm. i would say like those first 10 days of you know aches and pains and not so much feeling discouraged but more <clears throat> like oh my god how am i going to do this for another 21 days mm. or 20 days or 15 days and kind of like my mind chatter mm -hmm. was the most difficult part mm. and then i saw that leak into the food mm -hmm. 
where we also committed to doing with the food intermittent yeah. fasting. Right. Which was, I would start my eating windows at 11 a.m. Yeah. And end them at 7. And I was a much later eater. So I would sometimes have dinner at 8, 8.30 because right. of my last client where I had to stop at 7. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, especially on the two-a-days at 9 p.m., I was so hungry. Yeah. And it wasn't because I, I didn't get full off my dinner. It was just because, like, we had a caloric deficit yeah. to about 1,600 calories. Right. And I was just, like, starving at night. Mm-hmm. I, and I, know, I knew that a lot of it, too, was because I was... Um, just wanting to be a fat ass. Yeah. I just wanted to eat. Yeah. And I wanted to like just go have some chocolate and I wanted to it was it was almost like I knew it was hunger, but it wasn't just hunger. It was right. also like that mind chatter and that mental I had to adapt to yeah. no more food after seven, no more food after seven, no more food after seven. Right. And yeah. And when you think about you, you spoke a little bit about that mind chatter, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of the, the a lot of the teaching that I do talks a lot about it. And I know a lot of the work and a lot of the principles from your coaching also talks about it. Where do you go when those moments of those when those moments show up, right? Because here you are, <clears throat> excuse me, here you are on day four of a program, five forty five <laughs> in the morning, finishing a five, six mile run, and you're thinking to yourself, Oh shit, I have twenty five more days to go. And then it starts. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so, you know, this is so long. How am I going to do it? Um, this is bullshit. I'll never make it through. Like, so when those moments show up for you, because they show up in all of us, right? Where do you go? Where, where do you go to kind of, is it is it is it within your journaling practice? Is it just something that you just innately just kind of develop from a young age from a point of perseverance? Like, where do you go when those moments of that chatter show up for you? I... First of all, what helped me was mm. the book you assigned. Which ah, so was, let's talk a little bit about that. Which yeah. was Relentless by Tim Grover, which if you yeah. guys aren't familiar with him, he is Michael Jordan's uh, ex-coach and yeah. trainer. Yeah, phenomenal um, book. Amazing. Great read. And it's like such a straightforward read. It complemented Dark Mode beautifully and perfectly. Mm. Mm, thank you. I literally applied his philosophies. Mm into or I brought them into those moments where I like it's not that I wanted to give up but I was feeling very uncomfortable and very challenged Mm -hmm. and one of them was his don't think philosophy Mm -hmm. where you don't think Mm -hmm. the moment you think you're done yeah so I think that I had to tap into the fact that what I was experiencing in those moments where it was really hard was a normal Mm -hmm. and part of the process yeah Meaning, like, this is supposed to happen. This is the point of this, Mm -hmm. to feel this way. And then it's like, what are you going to do when you feel that way? Are you going to tap out or are Mm. you going to keep going? Mm. And it's I know it sounds very, no bullshit, like, straight to the point, like, black Mm -hmm. or white. But ultimately, when it comes to his don't think philosophy, that's how it is. Don't think. Right. Where he says the moment that you think, Mm-hmm. you start to lose your connection to the end result mm-hmm. and you start to lose your connection to that innate natural ability and confidence that you were born with right because now it's like you're second guessing yourself just because of an emotion and a feeling when we all know an emotion and a feeling has nothing to do with us mm-hmm. it's an extension and an expression of the present moment of what is happening right so it's about it's almost stepping out of what's happening as an observer mm-hmm and looking at it from the outside in and not judging it 
Because when you judge it is when you start to think about it. Right. And then you go down a rabbit hole. So it was being very cognizant of when that would happen. And then I was very careful with what I made it mean. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's where a lot of my mental discipline started to come back. Right. Where I then started to associate those moments with this is why I'm doing it. Right. So that means if this is why I'm doing it, they have to come up and they will. And then it's just a matter of how do I respond to it. So I would wake up in the morning on my mm -hmm. two days, yeah. five a.m. days, mm -hmm. and obviously they didn't feel that great right. all the time. Sometimes it wasn't a big deal, right? But the the times that it was a big deal and it felt a little bit difficult, I literally would tell myself, Angie, don't think this is just what we do. You can do hard things. Mm -hmm. Those that. three phrases where I would repeat them the whole time. Mm. Don't think. Yeah. I can do hard things. This is just what we do. If you're a runner, what does a runner do? A runner runs. Mm -hmm. If you're an athlete, what does an athlete do? They train in this way. Mm. If you are a healthy, clean eating individual, how do they eat? Healthy and clean. Right. Can you talk to, and, and I think that's so powerful, right? And I think a lot of people, so there's a few points that I could go on this beautiful journey with you because you're, you know, you're so intentional in, in how you reference these, the way in which you talk, you can lead the conversation in any one way. But one of the things that really stood out to me was the ability to kind of full stop, frame it before you digest it. Yep. And I think that's so powerful, right? You choose what things mean, right? It's not the thing itself, you choose. So. Where did that come from? Is that something that you teach in your coaching philosophy? Is it something that you developed over time? Because I think that's, you know, that's that's life in and of itself. If you can just master that, if you can master before you go from that pain point or before you go from that place of judgment to just reframe how you decide to digest it, I mean, take off, right? You could take off after that. So when did you, when did you start tapping into that night? And, and at what point do you incorporate that into all your coaching, teaching that mindset practice of doing that? Yes, I do incorporate yeah. it and teach it. And it didn't happen overnight for me personally. Mm -hmm. This is a result of my own personal development journey in which I hired a coach a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So this, this right here that I'm talking about is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. People think emotional intelligence is just for like relationship drama mm -hmm. or like issues maybe with your kids. No, like you feel in everything you do. Mm -hmm. In exercise, in food, in career, in business decisions, in Bitcoin, mm -hmm. in Forex. Mm -hmm. And I can say this because I have clients that do all of the above. Mm -hmm. And they tell me all the time, if it wasn't for these EQ tools, emotional intelligence tools, like I would lose my shit. Mm -hmm. So I feel it's so necessary if you want to live a successful, fulfilling, meaningful life in relationship to others and in relationship with yourself. So because of the journey I went on personally and all the work that I've done, which I still have a lot of work to do. Right. However, I could see it pay off in moments during dark mode where... Mm. I felt very challenged. It's like, cool, these are the moments that I get to apply everything that I've learned and everything that I teach. Mm -hmm. 
And so for me, it was definitely practicing what I preach Mm -hmm. and actually seeing like, cool, like what would happen if I apply this tool now? What would happen if I applied that tool? Where I think I told you when we started that I also wanted to treat dark mode like an experiment. Right. To kind of feel like less pressured about it. Yeah, which is why we didn't invite too many people to do it. Right. As a matter of fact, I didn't think that you were going to tell anyone else to do it but i think people started to hear and they're like I oh my god it. first of all like, like everybody in miami it. apparently follows angie Sanchez. well so, no I mean, not even I that kidding. i had people that are <laughs> like yeah this thing you're doing i want to do it i'm like do you know yeah. you're getting yourself <laughs> i was getting i was getting like approached what? at supermarkets and like darkman i was like who do you follow like angie i was like you're the so so a little bit of understanding when we made the decision to incorporate this we're we're at a beautiful place within our training Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like background in our journey where I knew it was something that you would meet the challenge I felt ready right Mm -hmm. and I think that just as there were people on your end who were like hey I want to do it with you there were other people that wanted to do versions of it but you were the only you and a a client I have in California who were doing something simple we're doing it all in right and I think what when one of the things that I've learned to get better at because I've, I've learned from following you is that you're very you're very open and authentic and sincere and it doesn't necessarily always have to look a certain way or 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 or, um, or ideal but it's raw and it's honest and I think you took people along with you on this journey um, and I had no idea that you were going to do that so I think for a lot of people, a lot of people felt like, a lot of your followers felt like they were going through their own version as well, which is why I said, you know, I think at the at the end of it all, probably in about a month or so, I'll probably um, take a lot of the beautiful feedback that you and I had, primarily you going through that experience, and make some adaptations to it to make it to where it could be streamed and, and it could be digested mm-hmm. by people that follow you and follow me. So relax, guys, you'll get a chance for it. <laughs> but it was really cool seeing how the people that follow you that are a part of your tribe and our tribe felt like they were part of the process. I definitely agree with you. And I and I saw the feedback and, you know, I, I can tell you right now, mm-hmm. as much of as much as I can say that this is something that I feel everyone should mm-hmm. do at some point, I don't think it's for everyone. Right. It's not something to be taken lightly. This isn't like a fitness challenge, so right. to speak. Right. Um, you will be challenged in, from a fitness aspect for sure. Right. But I think it's important to understand like what it is you're getting yourself into when you do it because it's not meant for the faint of heart. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's much more profound than physical results it's more of like you have to re- really be excuse my french sick of some bullshit mm-hmm. whatever the bullshit is for you yeah. could be in any area of your life mm-hmm. and you're like i need to do something not just different but radically different mm-hmm. in order to get a different result because i am sick and tired of the results that i'm getting mm-hmm. so your why behind dark mode mm-hmm has to not only be very clear, but it has to be powerful. Because yeah. that's what's gonna get you up in the morning mm-hmm. at 5 a.m. Yeah. and get you through the 30 days. Especially when, the, the because the motivation behind it is fleeting. Yeah. Right, emotions mm-hmm. ebb and flow. And like you said, being able to anchor into that strong why. Yeah. Um, it's very important. Very important. You know, you talk about, it in, and you brought attention to the book, and the reason why I think, you know, the reason why I get I started evolving into coaching is because I 
believe, and I know you and I share the same philosophy, that there's an undeniable connection between mind, body, spirit, body, and, and, and um, physical body. And I think it was really important to make sure that dark mode had elements of each, which is why we went on that book journey together, because I knew that there were going to be things that when you needed the most, you could call on certain aspects if you were doing your literature, if you are doing the reading that we kind of held each other accountable to. Can you speak to how, because I think a lot of times people take that out of the equation, regardless of what they're doing, whether they're a runner, if they're a yogi, if they're, you know, if they're just a mover that works with strength, how important the mind is. And not just, okay, yeah, no, I know to be conscious when I feel like not pushing, I push myself a little harder. But beyond that, as your body evolves, there's an opportunity where you're where you're at such a, a place of, of, of being open in movement, right? That, you know, we could talk about how your hormone, your hormones respond in your body and how you're just at a place of just be at this euphoric state where you're just evolving and growing. And it's an ideal place from which you can just receive so much information and insight and growth, potential growth. That finding ways to add, whether it be literature, whether it be whatever, to kind of add to, to the journey that you're on. Can you talk a little bit about other than when it showed up, where you really needed to call on when you were feeling challenged, how important did you feel it was being able to have your journey, dark mode, accompanied with a with a piece of literature to challenge your mind in that way? Absolutely necessary. Because as it is, I think when we designed it, you did a very good job of incorporating aspects of it that no, would you. deliberately make me uncomfortable. Yeah. So you were able to touch upon areas that had to be part of it for me in order to fully get the most out of the experience and one of them was waking up early yeah because i'm not a fan <laughs> at all she's not a fan zero i'm not a morning legit person. legit this no is, she's yeah not a fan. and i have no shame in admitting that um i just do better at night i'm a little bit more nocturnal and it's okay um but i'll talk about after what what now it did for my mornings um and then you also incorporated that literature, which I'm not a reader as well. And it's not because I don't like it. I just, maybe I have a story around it where it's very difficult for me to pick up a book and connect to it so deeply that I, I look forward to reading it and finishing it. So I've started a plethora of books that I've never finished. Mm. Um, and then I think I've shared with you the books I have finished. Mm. And then as a result of that, you were able to find the best suggestion yeah. for a book yeah. and then as as well as that book being very much how like I function and operate where yeah. if you guys know Tim Grover he is also not for the faint of heart yeah. he is very in your face and he makes people feel uncomfortable yeah. and he a lot of people talk crap about him yeah. because they, they think he's too rough and yeah. you know I think for yeah. me he's perfect Right, that was I knew what you I would respond really well to it. And I do well with that, yeah. and my clients do well with that too, which is mm -hmm. why they work with me. Right. So I think that it was like a perfect match. Yeah. So that that really, really helped, and I feel like that piece of literature is very necessary. So one of the things, that, and thank you for saying it, and I agree, Tim, I mean, he's straight vodka, no chaser, yep. for sure. Yep. Um, I want to touch on a little bit about, so two questions. One, is there anything that you learned about yourself throughout the experience of these 30 days that was either reaffirmed mm -hmm. or that you didn't necessarily know about yourself that you've gained through this experience? And then the other thing is, and I know that as everyone else is clamoring for an opportunity to do dark mode, you and I, we were already talking about doing phase two. Mm -hmm. um, so prior to moving into that next phase, 
in what in what ways has going through that experience changed you? And it could be, like you said, it could be now you're a morning person. Like, talk to those two points if you don't mind. Sure. So I think, um, I don't know if there were necessarily new things that I learned, but things that were reaffirmed. Actually, one of them was. And there were some that I that were just reaffirmed. The first one that was brand new was like, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Consistently. Not just like one or two times. Right. Like, I did it, I think it was 12 times in mm-hmm. 30 days, like half of the program. Yeah. And it's not that bad. And it's, and you know, I think it's something that also helped me realize how much time you do have in the day. Mm-hmm. So when people tell me, oh, Angie, I don't have time for this, which mm-hmm. by the way, I'm, I don't use that excuse for anything. So I feel like you can create the time. Mm-hmm. I was able to see how you really can create the time. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've never been one to suffer from time management issues, but it's also cool to see how you really do have a lot of time in the day. Mm-hmm. So that was something for sure that I learned because I got to see it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And my mornings were so slow and they were like just I had so much space and room to just like be and and I love starting my day off that way because I don't see my first client until 11. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the new thing. The things that were reaffirmed were I can do hard things mm-hmm. like really hard things right. and I can do them over and over again. Mm-hmm. And. I think you asked me when we were tailoring it to me, the the program, what was it about 10 years ago when I went through a similar journey? Mm -hmm. What was it about it that worked? And I think that verbatim what I said was, I would wake up in the morning, like two or three times a week, Mm -hmm. at 6 a.m. I think it was what it was, um, and it was, I was like a robot. Like mm. I just get up and go. And that worked for me. And yeah. I just want to be able to tap back into that. And I was able to do that. Yeah. So it was kind of cool to see that kind of come full circle and reaffirm. Like I still got it in me. Mm-hmm. And I could do really hard things as a result of being able to do that consistently. Mm-hmm. And the final thing was, as a person who did go through a very severe mm-hmm. binge eating disorder mm-hmm. journey, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, where I was 100% addicted to food for over a year, mm-hmm. that food doesn't own me, mm-hmm. and food has no power over me unless I allow it to do that. Mm-hmm. And the the mind, the body really does what the mind says. The mm-hmm. body follows whatever the mind says. So it was kind of cool to experience moments where. I would get almost glimpses of what I used to go through with the binge eating Mm -hmm. and how I was totally able to tackle that and overcome those moments and be like, wow, it's so cool to see how right now I'm just challenged by this, but it's not strong enough to take over. Mm -hmm. And the more that I did that, meaning overcome those little moments during dark mode, I was able to really tap into that whole food doesn't own me and doesn't have power over me and I have such a strong and healthy relationship with food. I love that. I love that. Now for those who for those who are listening to this and, and will end up um, signing up to do dark mode say a month or a month and a half from now, what advice would you give them going into the program? Communication. Yeah. I mean brutal communication, honest communication, clear communication. Mm-hmm. Do not leave anything off the table when you're creating this. Um, you know, with who you ever sit with and create it with, you need to make sure that you put everything out there as far as a concern, a goal, 
a worry, a result, and to make sure that at the end of it, you feel understood and you feel heard and you feel seen and supported mm. uh, because you are gonna need that support. You're right. not gonna do it completely by yourself. So I think that making sure that if you choose to do this, it's not just a choice you make, but it's a choice that you communicate mm -hmm. very, very transparently and powerfully so that the support that you are gonna need is given to you in a way where you feel like you're being really met for where you are because you're gonna need it. And that can only happen if you communicate and or over-communicate like Angie. <laughs> well, I love your communication. And speaking of communication, um, before we go into the uh, questions that anchor towards the end, I just want to again, and I know I'll reiterate after this experience, how, how just how grateful I am to be on this journey with you. I think you have such a beautiful spirit, and there's so many people that need your that need your power, and I think you know that, and I think you're stepping into that. <clears throat> and I feel, in a lot of ways, so honored to have gone on this journey for you this far, uh, thus far, and I'm excited. Um, I'm clamoring at, at the edge of my seat to see where this goes. <laughs> Me too. And I, I feel so appreciative for you to be up here. And um, uh, a few of the things that one we always encourage each other is always look for ways to improve. Always. Right? Mm -hmm. Always. And as I was thinking about kind of like, you know, this is a timestamp, this conversation that you and I are having. You know, when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, whatever, and I'm at the, uh, I'm at the, the final season of my graduation, these are part of the journeys or part of the points that I want to be able to refer back to and see who I was with and what they were about and how we were pouring into people. And as I started thinking about that, I started thinking about, okay, well, this is Angie's part two. So questions at anchor would be redundant. So what, what would I say if I had this opportunity and I could look a hundred years to the future, what would I want to ask her that was different than what I asked her before? And I thought about a few questions, um, three, and, and I want to share them with you. And it's just the same way, just whatever shows up for you. The first question is, what do you want your legacy to be? It sounds simple, mm -hmm. but it is profound. And I want it to be that I can do anything. Mm -hmm. So if I can do anything, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. And that may mean that you have to go outside of you to get help and support, and that that's okay because it's going to allow you to do the damn thing. Mm -hmm. So understanding and believing that anything that you really want to do, really want to do, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And it may be with the support of something external, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have a problem asking for help. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, second question. I was once afraid of, but I'm no longer. Public speaking. Wow. What did you use to help get over that? I mm -hmm. was forced to take a public speaking class in college. <laughs> That's right. You spoke a little bit about that on like, the first Like, I just, they were like, well, this is your last semester of your senior year, and you still haven't taken yeah. public speaking, so you got to do it. And I'm like, crap, right? So I just did it. Okay. Third question. Um, you feel the most at flow when? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> mm. um, I feel the most at flow. Okay, I'll paint you a picture. Okay. When I'm alone, mm -hmm. 
meaning I'm by myself, I'm having that me time, and I am in the sunlight, mm-hmm. so I'm outside under the sun, and I'm sitting with myself and my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions and allowing them to be because I used to judge them mm. and I was very much a slave to them where now it's cool to be able to observe them and just kind of see what's there for me so I think being by myself being outside while I'm by myself and going within so the combination of all three mm. I love that yeah like I come up with really cool shit <laughs> oh yeah get really inspired I love it happens. I love it and then the last question or the final question um, give you a little bit of backstory. So one of the most beautiful stories, or one of the stories I love most about Mother Teresa, and I won't go, and I won't give you the extended version, but what I will say is it concludes with Mother Teresa saying to this gentleman, wake up tomorrow morning at four o'clock in the morning and find someone on the street who's hell-bent or believes that they're alone. And your job is to convince that person that they're not alone. I, I want you to come from that place Please. of thought when you're going on this empty road, envision whatever you want to envision. It could be palm trees, it could be desert, it could be one sea on the other, it could be mountaintop on the opposite end. And as you're on this journey, you're on this road by yourself, and you approach a little girl or a little boy who's convinced that they're alone, who's lost all hope, may not be clear on their intention or their purpose. They don't know whether or not to turn back or they keep plowing ahead. The last thing I would ask you is if you had to convince that person, if you had to share something with that person to make that person in that moment, hey little girl, hey little boy, to feel a little less alone, what would you what would you share? What would you say to them? Wow, I know that's a, I know. I know, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I know you're equipped. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind is the word intuition. Hmm. And I would say that it's coming up because intuition speaks of the relationship that you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you have a strong relationship with yourself, you are highly in tune mm-hmm. and connected to that intuition. When you're connected to that intuition, you have all the answers, all the solutions to the problems, meaning problems that don't exist. And challenges can be seen as opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I would tell them that it's okay to feel how you feel because the way that you feel is not right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just a testament to what's happening right now and it doesn't define you. So if you're scared, which I've been there many times, it's okay to feel scared and it's okay for that to be part of the process because it teaches you. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay to feel uncomfortable, which I experience many times throughout dark mode. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would want them to know that that relationship with discomfort and with fear and with the unknown is actually an opportunity to strengthen the relationship that you have with yourself and the trust that you have with yourself, which when it's high, you can do anything, which Mm -hmm. is what I want my legacy to be. You have the answers, you have the resources, you have the tools, you know what to do, you know what choices to make, you know what path to create. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my, what I want to leave everyone with in answering that question is get uncomfortable in order to strengthen and cultivate the trust that you have with yourself because when you avoid discomfort Mm -hmm. it's because you don't trust yourself so you have to get uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so you can see that you can trust yourself so you can see that i can do this and i can figure it out i love that wow 
I love that. You know, and first of all, thank you for sharing that. And I know it resonates. It just went straight to the heart of me. So I can only imagine someone's listening to this that they will also resonate, hopefully, um, to what you're to what you share. And one of the things I was thinking about when I was playing back that the end of our conversation, I came from a place of gifting you an anchor, right, for our tribe. And and when I was thinking a lot about it, there's a few things that showed up for me. The the first thing is, you know you're part of our tribe and one you probably have five of the lacrosse balls by now and, and if not you can always Give use one more. more. Give me more. But I was thinking about <laughs> how being of service and how you're leaving you're forever leaving a piece of you with us. So I said, you know, I'm gonna start doing things a little different. Instead of having a photo with the individual with the beautiful spirit on the other end smiling to attached to the wall photo. I'm going to take a photo, uh, I'm going to have a photo of each one of the beautiful spirits that I'm able to go on a journey with autograph the ball for me. Nice. Because I want to, I want to take that with me and my goal is to be able to keep them close to my heart and I want it to reflect you sharing and you leaving something with us because I think that's what this conversation is. So I'll have you do that off the, off the air because I want to get a dope shot of you, of course. Yeah. Um, but in closing, I, I just want to say on, on behalf of the tribe with, with whom you're a part of, um, I'll be up here all day if I were trying to find words to properly communicate how much I adore you. And I really do think that you have such a special gift. And I just love the fact that there are certain people that you come across in your life that make you feel like everything's going to be okay, even when you don't. The feeling is yeah. so mutual. I, yeah. yeah, thank you. And for those who don't know, I'm sure a lot of them do, in closing, how do people get in contact with you? Uh, as I mentioned in part one, I'm going to say it again, definitely yeah. through Instagram or my website. Okay. I'm most active on IG, so my handle is at I am Angie Sanchez. And my website is www.angiesanchez.life. There's a little form on the homepage that if you just put your name and email, I will get right back to you. I love it. And then assuming this, and I know I'm kind of putting a tight window on the turnaround, but you have a workshop coming up. I do. It's tomorrow. Or no, no it's Saturday. It's, it's in two days. It's yeah. in two days. So, so yeah, Does I'll get this up. Yeah, I'll get, yeah, it'll come out tomorrow. Nice. So tell us a little bit about your workshop. Yeah, it's called Mastering Your Money. And nice. it's all about improving your relationship with money. Okay. Because every single person on earth has a money story. Okay. Just like we have stories about everything else. Yeah. And I think it's very important to know where that money story originated from in order to understand it. And when you understand it, you can see where it's kind of holding you back. Uh, and then be able to rewrite it in a way where it gets you closer to your end goal. Um, I think it's a really great idea for business owners and entrepreneurs especially mm -hmm. to be at this workshop because even though they may have a sound, abundant money story, if they're dealing with the public mm -hmm. and they're dealing with other people who are not aware of their money story or who have a scarcity money story, it kind of will, it kind of, no, it will equip them with the tools necessary to help them break down that money story for them or how to tailor their content um, or how they sell themselves in a way where they can kind of break through that because a lot of people hit a wall when it comes to money because money unfortunately makes people feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I think it was Warren Buffett that said it best. Um, if you cannot 
manage your emotions, you cannot manage your money. Mm. And money is a currency because it's energy. Mm -hmm. So it's about learning how to respect money and also use it as a tool to elevate consciousness in a way because mm -hmm. I invest in you for my sake, mm -hmm. but because I invest in you and I'm not spending or wasting my money on you, I'm using my money mm -hmm. to invest in myself, but also to invest in you you now take that money and you're able then to you invest in you mm -hmm. and then it just it flows it's like that. circulation I so it's a, it's it's a workshop that's very much addressed to understanding the money story and then healing and rewriting the money story as it comes to personal and, and business i love that mm -hmm. time place location it is this saturday from okay. 10 a.m to noon okay. in south miami it is at a store called the stable okay and the ticket link is um on my instagram page it's i'm being i'm selling the tickets through Eventbrite. Okay. Um, right now, there's only a few left. I checked last night, and I think yesterday we sold six alone. Oh, dope. So, yeah, so thank you. Um, and if and I were to go to Eventbrite in the search box, I just put... No, in. you just go to my Instagram. Okay. I am Andrew Sanchez, and if you click on the link, it takes you straight to the page where okay. it's, you don't even have to search on But let's Eventbrite. say if, someone's, if someone wants to go straight to Eventbrite, they, can, the title, type, they, they can type Master the Money. I love it. Or Master Your Money. And you'll have to get back up here again for round yeah. three because I know you have a lot of exciting things going oh, on with Art Basel yeah. and all that. I know we yeah. talked a little bit about it. And 2020 is going to look very different yeah. than 2019. I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited. Thank you, Angie. Um, My pleasure. Guys, gals, thank you for going on this journey. Free bye. Hey Tribe, so if you're excited about the Breathe Life content and you want to find other ways to stay connected, the next time you're on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, be sure to type in Fahim Mujahid or Breathe Life into the search bar and check out all the mindful things we have going on on your favorite platform.